Welcome to Pocono Mountains Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 36, and I'm your host, Jim Hamill. We've been experiencing some spring-like weather lately, even though there is quite a bit of the ski season left here thanks to snowmaking technology at many of the ski resorts in the Poconos. But it still has us thinking about the planting season, farming, and agriculture's major role in the Poconos over the years. One of the counties in the Pocono Mountains, Wayne County, has a long history of dairy, supporting the local food scene with farm-fresh produce and, of course, the 4-H programs that teach youngsters the ways of farming. Recently, PTN launched a three-part series on farming in the northern Poconos, three Pocono perspectives at three farms in Wayne County, part of the agri-legacy of the region. More on that in a bit. The Poconos is a year-round destination for millions, with 2,400 square miles of mountains, forests, lakes, and rivers. With historic downtowns and iconic family resorts, it's the perfect getaway. You can always find out more on PoconoMountains.com or watch PTN, the Pocono Television Network streaming live 24-7. Thanks for listening to Pocono Mountains Podcast. We'll have a new episode each week highlighting lots of the fun things you can experience while you're visiting the Poconos. Subscribe to Pocono Mountains Podcast and leave a review and or comment on whatever platform you listen. Now back to the episode. Chris Barrett wanted to learn more about the importance of farms and farmers right here in the Poconos. So he visited three farms in Wayne County. The first, Robinson Family Farm in the Weimar area, a fifth generation farm. And farmer Zach Jones spent time sharing what farming and agriculture mean to him, his family, and the Poconos. Enjoy. How has farming changed for your, you and your family? Yeah. So this used to be a dairy farm, and um, as the industry, dairy industry has gone through uh, quite a spiral, uh, it was no longer a dairy farm. They closed out and switched to beef cows. Does it concern you that families are getting out of farming? And have you been seeing that a lot lately yes. over the last 20 years? Yes, it's very concerning. Um, just as a local food supply, uh, you know, it takes, it takes a village to raise a child, but it also takes a lot of farms to raise a village. And it takes a lot of food to help people. And the more that you can have local, uh, better access to quality, fresh stuff really matters. I wake up in the morning this great blue state, golden fingers. So we're here with Zach Jones. You're watching Pocono Perspectives. We're one of the farms in Wayne County. We're talking about farming. There'll be a series of these. Uh, we're talking to families who've been farming for decades. So Zach, I, I really want to thank you for being here with us. I've really been looking forward to this. A lot of stuff going on now in the world with inflation, with supply chain issues that have happened over the last two years. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is, at this point in time, in August of 2022, we're hearing a lot about droughts in in the Midwest and the West. Are are we experiencing that here in the East? And, and how do you feel about what's happening in the West with water and how will that affect agriculture? Water is the number one thing that life needs to survive. And without it, there is no life. So it is extremely concerning. Um, you, we are not, I guess, in a drought. We are dry, very dry. Uh, we haven't had rain Yesterday was the first rain we had in about three weeks. So a lot of our stuff has not really been able to put fruit out. It takes a lot of water to do that. So when you think of food, 
and you think of a tomato for say, that's like 80% water. So without that water, it's not gonna grow. So you, you uh, referenced fruit. Can you get into that a little bit more? Just everybody who's watching might not know what that really Okay, means. so fruit would just mean like the actual thing that you eat. So when I say fruits, it could be grains on uh, a stalk of corn. And an ear of corn could be the grain. It could be wheat even. The fruiting body that would be the uh, reproductive aspect of that plant. So Zach, tell us about what you're farming here. What, what are you traditionally growing here? So right now we are growing uh, diverse vegetables, so all different kinds of vegetables, and we also have beef cows. What, what types of vegetables? We have tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, lettuce. Uh, we have eggplants, all kinds of stuff that you would see normally in a, a grocery store or a farmer's market. So where are they sold? So we sell uh, our local, one of our local farmer's markets in Newfoundland. We also sell here on the farm and uh, sell some through Facebook too. The local community buys a lot of uh, produce from, from you guys? Mm -hmm. Oh at, yeah. At the farmer's markets and comes here to do that as well? Yeah, yep. So what was the, when you transitioned from a dairy farm to, to where you're at right now, when did that happen? That actually happened in 1983. My great-grandfather and his brother uh, retired. They decided that at that point they were going to live life and not work as much anymore. So in 1983, they had an auction right here on the farm and sold all the milk cows. Zach, one of the things that's really fascinated me when we first talked was that this farm has been in your family for generations. So can you walk us through that? You know, how that all started from the year that you think it started into where we are right now? Sure, yeah, so we think somewhere around the early 1900s. We believe in 1920, the uh, house that my parents owned was built, and they had been farming there uh, at that time. So I guess the, the most concrete answer I could give is 1919. So going back to 1919, what did the farm look like then? What, what did your great-grandfather do here on the farm? So my great-great-grandfather. 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 What was his name? Charles, Charles Robinson. And uh, he actually had beef cows. Back in the early 1900s, this was a beef farm, and he was a logger. He owned the mountain and logged that. The mountain that's, clo that's on the farm here, right close to the farm. Ne right next door, actually. Uh, if you look at it, you'll see it's a state game lands now, but he owned 1,500 acres, and he logged that, and he sold timber. Oh, wow. So he did that in addition to working on the farm. Oh, yeah. And what, what was planted here at the time? Oh, it was just hay, and I think they might have done some small grains back then just to feed the cows. Did they sustain themselves from the farm totally? So did they plant everything they ate and can it and do all those kind of things? Oh, yeah. My great-great-grandmother was quite a lady. She uh, fed a house full of 14 people on an old wood cook stove. Yeah, she made everything. So, so then how did it transition from your great-great-grandfather to kind of where we're at right now, where you are? Okay, so my great-great-grandfather uh, gave the farm to my great-grandfather when he was uh, probably in his 20s and realized that it could only be sustained by one family. So my great-great-grandfather passed it on to his son and actually two of his sons. So how many acres was it then and is it now? Is it still the same size? It is the same size that it was when uh, in the 80s, so it's 200 acres. So tell me about your uncle. So my uncle actually bought the farm uh, when my great-grandfather passed away, but he worked with my great-grandfather milking cows. How did it transition back to you and your parents and then you then? 
So my great-grandfather uh, leased the farm out to local farmers and then my uncle decided he wanted to get into farming and in 2003 my great-grandfather passed away and when he passed away my uncle and my aunt bought the farm. So how did he decide that he wanted to get back into farming? Was it just something he felt was in his blood and he missed? Or? You step in manure and it sticks to your boots for the rest of your life, you can't get it off. <laughs> did he try anything else? Did he try any, anything else? Well, he has horses and he had horses and so he actually needed to do hay. So and this is the perfect spot to do it. So he decided to start doing hay. They planted corn, oats, uh, different kind of clover and one thing led to another and now we have vegetables. I, I would assume that equipment has really changed dramatically how farms are run, correct? In some aspects, yes, yes. Uh, there's been updates in equipment and then sometimes you go back to some original concepts. What's an original concept versus doing something with equipment? A good example is that a hay baler, so a small square baler. The knotting system that was designed in that to tie these knots on these square bales was designed in the early 1900s. That has not changed. The baler that we run is from the 60s. It's uh, quite old, but it's good and it works. So I've been told that farmers could fix or maintain anything. Is that right? Oh yeah. So you fix everything that breaks down. It doesn't go anywhere else. Uh, we do as much as we possibly can. Yeah. Some farmers have additional occupations to farming, right, Zach? Is oh yeah. That, yeah. And, and what what usually are they? And what do you do? I work for the conservation district. I work for Wayne County. I'm the nutrient management specialist. So I actually work with other farmers and. Uh, getting in compliance with uh, Department of Environmental Protection regarding like clean streams and erosion and stuff like that. So does that have to do with how much um, fertilizer is used or uh, nutrients for soil, is that right? Yeah, yeah, so different fertilizers, manure especially, we want to make sure that our water stays clean. In the Pocono Mountains, we're extremely lucky to have one of the cleanest rivers in the world, the Delaware, and it is exceptional value and high quality so we want to keep it that way that's awesome to know that you're you're helping to keep that clean um i did want to ask this though how much is farming science of nutrients and all those types of things uh, i'm probably not asking the question the right way but i think you kind of know what i mean i do yeah how, what what how do you do that how do you how do you go about that so i i listen to a lot of information i'm constantly learning and the science behind it is insane. It's chemistry and biology, but without biology, there's no chemistry. So in order to grow something really good, we have to focus on what's already living and making it that much better, uh, especially within the soil, all the micro and macro invertebrates that live there, the fungi, the bacteria, stuff like that. That's ultimately what makes a tomato taste better, really. So what's your educational background? So I went to college, but I went to college for recreation services management. Uh, I never really thought about doing anything farming until I graduated college, actually. Where'd you graduate from? I went to uh, East Stroudsburg University. Ah, so you decided that you wanted to go in a different direction versus farming. Yeah. So what called you back? I think you, I know what you might well, say, but what, what, what made you come back? I really learned who I was when I was in college and what, what mattered to me. And my values always come back to this farm and my family. So I wanted to come back and I wanted to be a part of it and I wanted to do my own thing and, and make, expand it. What family lives on the farm now? Your family, right? Yes, so my mom and dad live next door to me. I live there with my kids, and then my grandma and grandpa live next door to me. I live in the middle. How old are your kids? I, uh, he's seven months old, and then seven, nine, and 16. 
Oh, wow, dude, the 7, 9, and 16, how do they feel about living on a farm? They like it sometimes. <laughs> There's a lot of work to do, but they, uh, they enjoy the open space. Do they have their chores every day? Yeah, sometimes. Uh, yeah, especially <laughs> in the summertime. Uh, so, um, how, how do you think, do you think that there'll be another generation here on the farm? I hope so. Uh, I won't push it. You know, if that's what they want to do, then I, I fully support it. But if they decide to do other things, that's acceptable as well. Uh, I'd like to see this continue and be a farm. So do you want to operate this for the rest of your life, right? This yeah, is something you want to do. until I want to retire and live on a beach. One of these days, <laughs> <laughs> maybe years from now. So what, is your dad retired? Is no. He, no, he's, so he's working the farm too. Yep. Wow, so how many people does it take to work 200 acres? A lot, I mean, my entire you? family. So we, I'm, we're extremely fortunate that we have my mom, my my dad, my aunts, my uncles. Uh, it's a true family farm. Everybody here pitches in. What were your challenges this year in 2022? So this year was exceptionally dry and it made things extremely difficult, uh, which didn't allow a lot of the uh, vegetables to grow or the hay to grow as good as it could. If we get enough precipitation from now until the end of the season, will we catch up? I mean, as far as the farm here, will you catch up? Well, annually we'll catch up. Unfortunately, what's, uh, what we missed, we missed. I'm sure we'll get all of it in hurricane season in the September, but yeah, we needed it in June and July. Is that going to affect your crop yield at all? Oh yeah. yeah how, we, how does it? We lost a lot of yield. Uh, a lot of tomatoes actually got what's called blossom end rot, which is actually a calcium deficiency, but there was adequate calcium, it just wasn't enough water to move the calcium into the fruit itself, so it ended up having to throw it out because it was rotten. Do you irrigate at all? Here? We do, yeah. We have uh, underground drip tape that we irrigate with. Oh, what is that? So that's just a plastic tube that has a small slit every 12 inches that once it hits a certain PSI, it will just have a little drop of water that comes out. So that I don't have to waste any water, I can direct it right to the root of that plant. Of the 200 acres, how much is actually that 200 devoted to growing completely? To completely, so there's about 75 acres in fields and we probably do two to two and a half acres of vegetables, so roughly 70 acres of hay. And irrigation, how much water does it take to irrigate that? A good example is a tomato plant needs about uh, a gallon a week or more, depending on how dry it is and how the soil, uh, if it's holding water or not. So in a normal year of precipitation, how much of a crop would you yield and how much do you think you'll yield this year because of the lack of water? So a good example is I strive for 20 pounds of tomatoes per plant and this year I'll be lucky if I get like 12. Oh, so it's pretty, it's substantial, yeah. it's almost half. And I've been irrigating, it just couldn't, I couldn't keep up with it. Yeah. Before we close, and this has been really great, Zach, I appreciate you taking the time and sharing, you know, about your family, but I think what we want people to know is the devotion it takes to farm. Mm -hmm. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about that, the sacrifices that your family, you know, over the generations have given us so that we can eat. Mm -hmm. talk, talk to us a little bit about that. A lot of missed baseball games. I miss a lot of stuff. I'm working. I work all day long, every day. Drink our coffee as quick as you can and then you immediately head out, uh, start irrigating, turn the water on for things in the greenhouse and the high tunnel and outside and just checking on things and then you have to get dressed quick to go to work. And once you get home from work, then you gotta start all over, uh, take care of the animals, cows, and make sure whatever field work needs to get done, you do it when the sun's shining. And then on weekends, I work from sun up to sundown, just about. 
So no matter what, the cows have to be taken care of every day. Every day. Any other animals here? There's a couple goats and some turkeys, but they, uh, they're inside, which is nice, and they're pretty easy to take care of. Because you always think about a farm having animals everywhere. It's like, it's all like old McDonald here sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, getting back to the sacrifice, uh, before we close, talk to me about what farming has meant to your family, because you talked about values, which I think is really important, but what has farming meant to your family, and has the sacrifice been worth it? Yes, it's, it's hard. Um, there's fights, there's arguments, there's happy times. Sometimes you're happy you get to work with your family and then sometimes it's difficult to work with your family, but I feel fortunate to spend that much time with my family. Uh, we do everything together. We, we work, we hang out, we eat. We like to have supper together a lot, which is one of the things that I always loved as a kid. And um, you know, I get to continue that tradition now. Well. That's really what life's all about, you know, family and country and all the things you've done here and you've really helped us, um, feeding us all these decades and a century. So it's been over two, 100 years. Mm -hmm. And we really, really thank you for that, Zach. And um, This has been Pocono Perspectives. We're coming from Wayne County. Uh, this is Zach Jones. He talked to us about a farm that has been in, in his family for over 100 years and we've really enjoyed it. Zach, thank you so much. Thank you. And as always, Thank you for watching PTN, the Pocono Television Network. Robinson Family Farm, one of the many farms keeping the agricultural legacy alive in the northern Poconos. Find out more on PoconoMountains.com and also visit a farmer's market and support your local farms and farmers when you can. Winter is fun for the whole family in the Pocono Mountains. Want to learn to ski or snowboard? Our Pocono ski resorts have instructors for all ages. Or snow tubing. It's easy. All you need is to dress warm and smile. Our winter fun is for everyone. After you hit the slopes, explore the best amenities at one of our resorts, hotels, or vacation homes. And it's always summer at one of our world-class year-round indoor water park attractions. Go to PoconoMountains.com and plan your family fun today. We're back. Thanks for listening to Pocono Mountains Podcast. I'm Jim Hamill. Now for a Pocono Mountains Podcast Extra. Pocono Organics in Long Pond, right next to the Tricky Triangle, has also put the Poconos on the map for farming. One of the top regenerative farms in North America even has held cooking classes. And our Brianna Strunk checked it out a while back. Enjoy. Organics in Long Pond is poised to be the largest regenerative organic farm in North America. You can purchase fresh produce here or you can sit down and enjoy a meal at the brand new Market Cafe. You can even roll up your sleeves and make a dish yourself. So welcome everybody to Pocono Organics. Uh, this is our stir fry cooking class. Some fresh ingredients, slicing and mixing the perfect recipe for a unique date night. <laughs> so we're, we're very yeah. excited about doing some fresh stir fry. Yes. Um, or we get the restaurant version of stir fry. So it's pretty cool to actually get to experience from start to finish of uh, something that we eat often. And that's why it has this nice bright green color. In this brand new state-of-the-art cooking space, couples are learning skills that can be applied in their own kitchens. 
from proper cutting techniques to incorporating herbs into dishes. So we get a lot of experience with how to take an ordinary dish and make it something extra special. As you cut your garlic and your ginger, you can set it on your tray. Chef Lindsay McLean is a season 20 winner of Food Network's hit show, Chopped. Now, as head chef at Pocono Organics, Lindsay enjoys sharing her experience and love of cooking with others. A lot of times when I was a restaurant chef, I felt like I was just making dinner for people every night. And here I actually feel like I'm contributing to the community and helping people learn things, and that's really enjoyable and rewarding. In addition to classes for individuals and couples, Pocono Organics also hosts kids' classes. It's um, helping me learn how to cook um, by learning how these things are done in the kitchen, what kind of ingredients you need. Today, these pint-sized chefs are designing cake pops that look like turkeys, complete with chocolate bodies, pretzels for feet, edible eyes, and candy corn feathers. You put eyes on them. And? Feathers. Back at date night, the stir-fry is ready to be tasted and enjoyed over a glass of wine in this BYOB setting. So it was definitely a, a good time. Creating meals and memories in the Pocono Mountains. For Pocono Television Network, I'm Brianna Strunk. Farming is alive and well in the Pocono Mountains. Watch and listen for more segments on farms in the Poconos on future editions of Pocono Mountains Magazine and this podcast. We hope you enjoyed Pocono Mountains Podcast. Please remember to subscribe anywhere podcasts are available. Come visit us in the Pocono Mountains. Plan your trip today. Mm -hmm.